Welcome to the Arroyo Seco Weekend Podcast. I'm Liz Warner. This is your chance to get to know some of the players, makers, and thinkers coming together for a spectacular weekend in beautiful Pasadena. On today's podcast, we'll visit NASA's Jet Propulsion Laboratory in Pasadena to explore the mysteries of the galaxy. Amazing planets or stars or things that are exploding, you know, there's all this stuff out there that really kind of make you understand your place in the universe and uh, who you are as a human being. Then we'll travel to Silver Lake for a taste of new school Jewish jelly at Friedman's. We offered the pastrami Crunchwrap Supreme. That's sort of a play on Taco Bell's Crunchwrap Supreme, but with our house-made pastrami. And finally, we'll hear an excerpt from the audiobook Reckless, My Life as a Pretender by band leader Chrissy Hind, as read by actress Rosanna Arquette. So it was Bowie who got me into him. Iggy Stooge, a.k.a. Iggy Pop. Thanks, David. I loved you anyway, but thanks again. So stick around for all that and more on this episode of the Arroyo Seco Weekend Podcast. Thanks for listening. Of the many places of interest in Pasadena, nowhere captures the imagination of science fans as much as NASA's Jet Propulsion Laboratory that sits along the Arroyo Seco. The Caltech lab was founded way back in 1936 as a testing site for early rocket technology. And it has grown to be one of the most important space science facilities in the world, responsible for the first jet-assisted aircraft takeoff in 1941 and the first U.S. satellite launch in 1958. In recent years, JPL has built and operated many of the unmanned vehicles that are out there exploring our solar system today, including the Mars Exploration Rover mission and the Juno probe to Jupiter. It is also responsible for some of the most significant scientific developments here on Earth over the past few decades. Every camera that you have, a digital camera, has a CCD chip, and the CCD chip was invented here for taking pictures somewhere else. That's Dan Goods, visual strategist at the Jet Propulsion Lab. And then the other big thing is that GPS didn't used to be so precise. I don't know if you remember, like 10 years ago, if you had a GPS, it was like, oh yeah, if it's within 50 yards, you know, it's good. But scientists thought that if they could add a little bit of extra information on the data going back and forth, that they could really bring it down to really precise movements. And that was all sort of imagined right here at, at JPL. Dan runs the studio at JPL, a department with the stated mission of helping scientists and engineers imagine the future and giving people a sense of awe about the universe. The studio is a team of artists, designers, thinkers, and makers, and we do anything from helping create experiences for people to understand the crazy things that NASA does, all the way to getting to help scientists and engineers brainstorm about the future. So the studio is half about educating the public but not in the traditional textbook sort of way. For example, in trying to demonstrate how satellites circle the Earth, Dan and his colleagues built the Orbit Pavilion, a shell-shaped metal sculpture that you stand inside while bits of audio move and surround sound over your head, in sync with the Earth science satellites traveling around the planet. We call it sneaking up on learning. So we love to be able to create things that are beautiful or mysterious or that just draw you in, maybe aesthetically. And once you're there, you start to go, wow, what is this thing? And then hopefully you are in the mindset for learning. 
There will be plenty of sneak-up learning at Arroyo Seco Weekend, where JPL will be setting up an installation run by Dan and the studio. There, you'll be able to discover the projects currently being worked on at JPL for NASA. We're hoping to put together a few different experiences that talk about three general domains that uh, NASA is really interested in right now. And so one is Mars. Mars is a very important destination for NASA, and we're trying to figure out how much water was there in the past, and perhaps could there be life there uh, right now or, or in the past. Another area is, uh, we call them ocean worlds. These are moons of other planets. So uh, Jupiter has a moon called Europa, and um, uh, Saturn has a moon called Enceladus. They both have lots of water. In fact, there's twice as much water on Europa, which is smaller than the Earth, than there is on Earth. It's, it's under this giant ice shell. And so we're going to send a spacecraft to Europa to figure out where the cracks are in the ice to see if one day maybe we could send a submarine down into the oceans that are there. And then another topic that we're really interested in is uh, what's called an exoplanet. Pretty much every star that you look at has a solar system around it, we believe. And we've already found about 3,500 planets around other stars. And so some of them are really crazy. Uh, some of them have multiple suns. So it's sort of like uh, Tatooine when you see the double sunset. There are planets out there that actually have that. And so uh, we're hoping to create three sort of immersive experiences that give you a sense that you're on these different places. The average person might not be able to travel to space just yet, but with Dan and the studio at JPL, we can all feel a little bit closer to the stars. We're not great math wizards, we're not physics majors, we don't have science backgrounds, um, but we ask questions that are different. At the beginning, they go, NASA, it's too hard, you know, you must be too smart, or something like that. And it's really just about being clear. On what might be the last ungentrified street corner on Sunset Boulevard in Silver Lake, a nondescript shopping plaza is home to one of the neighborhood's most exciting new restaurants. Friedman's opened last November and has wowed critics like Jonathan Gold with its new school take on old school Jewish deli food. You know, we're a you know, 38 seat restaurant that's like kind of hidden in this strip mall here. And it's I think that was very exciting to hear such positive praise written about. What's going on here? That's Jonah Friedman, the owner and operator of Friedman's. Unlike most folks in the restaurant business, Jonah wasn't raised in a particularly food-friendly family. In fact, it wasn't until the Toronto native went to college in Chicago that his interest in eating really took hold. I was always a bit of a picky eater growing up, and there was a very specific and like conscious moment in my second year, I believe, at school, where I kind of announced to all my friends that, you know, I'm going to eat anything and everything. That obsession led to a series of restaurant jobs, first in kitchens in Chicago, then working the front of house at a spot in the hip Hackney neighborhood in London. But when it came time to open his own joint, Jonah knew that L.A. was the place to be. I felt that it was a really exciting, vibrant food scene, but one that was still pretty young and developing and 
it was a place that had room for us, honestly. It was a place where I felt that there was still opportunity to create new and exciting concepts that hadn't yet existed here. Jonah began working on the Freedman's Concept in 2016, along with his sister Amanda and co-owner Nicholas Papadatos, a veteran of Momofuku in New York and former intern, a stagiaire, at Noma in Copenhagen, often named the world's best restaurant. The team began looking for a chef who could make their vision a reality. Enter Liz Johnson, who had interned at Noma with Papadados before going on to become the chef at well-respected French bistro Mimi in New York. We really needed someone to apply their creative stamp to everything. So come in and take the dishes that we had kind of set out and really make them something special. So we met with her in February. And then from that point, Liz was at our house in Silver Lake in the kitchen five days a week for, was that, seven months, something like that? So it was an intensive menu development period. The result is something truly special, a unique restaurant concept that inspires food for any time, day and night. From the Whitefish Cigars, a take on classic Jewish whitefish, and pastrami crunch wrap supreme, deli meats Taco Bell, to house-made pickles and classic matzo ball soup, plus brunch and late-night drinks, there's rarely a time you won't find something going on at Friedman's. Except on Mondays, when they're closed. This is an all-day place. We want you to want to hang out. You can come here for lunch, come back for a business dinner, and then come back for cocktails late at night and just sort of hang out is what I'm trying to strive for, a place that people can call home a little bit. That's the ultimate. You can try Friedman's Pastrami, Pickles and More at a Royal Seco weekend. From the heyday of punk rock in London to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in her home state of Ohio, Chrissy Hines' mix of tomboy attitude and musical talent has made her one of rock's most iconic performers. Before she moved to England and formed legendary rock outfit The Pretenders in 1978, Hines was just another music-obsessed misfit living in the American Midwest who dreamed of meeting her rock and roll heroes. In this excerpt from her 2015 memoir, Reckless, My Life as a Pretender, published by Doubleday and Random House Audio, Hind recalls her early encounters with David Bowie and Iggy Pop and the impact those chance meetings had on her life's musical journey. So it was Bowie who got me into him. Iggy Stooge, a.k.a. Iggy Pop. Thanks, David. I loved you anyway, but thanks again. Before Bowie, the Stooges were just another local band as far as I was concerned. Local as in Detroit, opposed to English as in Hull. I therefore paid them little notice. The grass is always greener, unless you're an Acapulco, or so I thought. Bowie started mentioning him in the rare interviews he gave. The term mainstream wasn't mainstream yet. Fans still enjoyed being part of the underground elite, of which Bowie was still an underground delight and Iggy Pop was a step or two removed again. Every cell in my body to become a receptor, transposing Englishness into something like a hormone or vitamin needed to stave off rickets. 
But Iggy Pop, a.k.a. the world's forgotten boy, was right there in my own backyard, oozing testosterone and oil spills worth. My Bowie obsession ambushed me just as I was having one of my rare but not entirely unknown moments of thinking. Maybe it's time to grow up. I had two or three of these over the years. The first one was when I dumped my Beatles drawer. All the posters and magazines and paraphernalia, including my Beatles tennis shoes, went in the trash. By the age of 16, I thought maybe it was a bit childish to keep poring over such mementos. Thus, the purge followed by intense remorse. Then, when I got back from Mexico, that time lasted for a week or two. Time to abandon those childish obsessions and unrealistic yearnings. Hunky-dory saw the back of that notion. I never lost my faith. Now, what do you want for your 21st birthday, Christy? A watch? The Gibson Melody Maker I saw advertised in the Beacon Journal for $100. They really were the best parents in the world, but I couldn't be a good daughter. Not yet. The Stooges' Funhouse album became my after-work fix. Dirt soothed any mental or emotional aching and gave me the incentive to go back into work the next day so I could go home afterwards and listen to Dirt again. I found a copy of the British music paper New Musical Express at Grey Drug at the Summit Mall. Whoever the buyer at Grey was at the time, I thank you a thousand times over, you humanitarian and visionary. The picture on my wall showed Iggy astride a mic stand. He backflipped. He walked on outstretched hands. He healed the sick. The picture of him shirtless wearing those silver strides took pride of place next to a poster of Brigitte Bardot. It was 22nd September 1972 when I watched Bowie's unforgettable U.S. debut as Ziggy Stardust in awe and wonder. i just turned 21 and had no idea that I had less than a year to go before I would leave Ohio and America for good. Sue and I drove to Cleveland early to stand out in the cold and listen to the sound check. A gray day in Cleveland at its bleakest was the perfect setting to hear the band run through five years. Pure magic. Bowie emerged with his minders to walk back to the hotel. I had never been so close to anything that made me feel soul love like that before. But this was not the Veronica Lake lookalike I'd fallen in love with while listening to Hunky Dory. Ziggy sported a get-down boy haircut in orange, a short green denim jacket and peg green jeans rolled up over platform boots. It walked a mere three feet beside me. Trick or treat. He and his minders were keeping the pace next to us. They seemed to be watching us as if they weren't sure when to cross the street. Other side, big boy. The tall, good-looking one with green eyes spoke. His name was Anton, and it looked to me like he was black. They had black people in England who spoke with English accents? He invited us to join them. I'm pretty sure we didn't look like groupie material. I was wearing a cable-knit fisherman's cardigan, but there wasn't anybody else around. We went to the band suite at the hotel and sat there. I was practically trembling and incapable of looking stardust in the eye, but mumbled, People in Cleveland will love it if you play that Velvet Underground song. They played Waiting for My Man at the sound check. Stardust replied, Oh, maybe we will do that. I should have been an A&R man. Anton asked if we knew a place to eat. 
Take David Bowie out to dinner? Let's go. Ziggy waited for me to pull the seat forward and then climbed into the back of my mother's Oldsmobile Cutlass. This is a nice car, he said, politely. How embarrassing to be driving my mom's car. And the funny thing was, I can't remember even one other time ever that my parents had gone away overnight. This must have been Providence intervening. I hijacked her car, and now David Bowie was in it. That was just weird. The show was one of those turning points in American culture. And now my fellow Stouffer girls who I'd fumbled trays alongside in a poorly executed waitress job, older, divorced, Neil Diamond fans who laughed at my Bowie scrapbook, now they would know too. I like being right for a change. Debbie, Sue, Hoover, and I drove to Detroit to see the show again. Witnessing Bowie on stage with Mick Ronson was life-changing, I'm sure, for everyone there. Ronson, a guitar giant of rare beauty with platinum-blonde get-down boy hair, satin strides, and muscular forearms, giving it some of the less Paul was truly godlike. Oh, yes, let the children boogie. As was my wont in those early years, I couldn't leave with the rest of the audience when the house lights went up. I needed to get closer to the stage as security cleared the hall. Come on, Chris, let's go, it's over. As always, my girlfriend's trying to urge me to the exit. And then there he was. He too was wandering around the emptying hall, glassy-eyed, wandering like me, Iggy Pop kicking through the plastic cups, cigarette butts, and litter, and probably wondering why it hadn't been him with his band up there on stage, enjoying the rapture of all. He was lost in thought or maybe just stoned, oblivious to the fact that his number one fan of all time was standing in front of him. With the lights up, I could see him in all his glory. Dirty blonde hair, blue eyes turning green. He saw me, the only girl left in the empty hall, and looked into my eyes. I couldn't speak during the hundred-mile journey back to Akron. The Pretenders perform on Saturday, June 23rd at a Royal Seco weekend in Pasadena. If you want to hear the full recording of Chrissy Hines' memoir, Reckless, My Life as a Pretender, you can download it wherever you get audiobooks. That's it for this episode of the Arroyo Seco Weekend Podcast. Tune in to other episodes of the podcast to hear more stories about the talented people who help make Arroyo Seco a weekend you won't want to miss. Go to ArroyoSecoWeekend.com for tickets and information, and we hope to see you in Pasadena. This podcast was produced for Golden Voice by Content Curious.